Welcome to Paul Martin's Catholic Podcast. I'm Paul Martin. I used to be a Presbyterian, then Pentecostal, lay preacher. After studying the Bible and church history afresh, I converted to Catholicism. My message today is don't live in the past. And it's about how we as Catholics have to be aware of the culture and the overriding philosophy of which we live in for today. We don't have the luxury of dwelling too much on the past. We can learn a lot from the past, but we can't live in the past. Winston Churchill was Prime Minister of Britain during the Second World War, and he courageously and defiantly led Britain against the Nazis. Once the Nazis had been defeated, there were elections in 1945 and Winston Churchill ran against Clement Attlee. And Churchill mocked him and said that Clement Attlee was a sheep in sheep's clothing. And he also called him a humble man with much to be humble about. Well, the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And much to a lot of people's shock, especially Winston Churchill, Clement Attlee won the elections. And he brought in a lot of great sweeping changes into Britain where they provided welfare to the needy rather than to the elite. So Clement Attlee swept Winston Churchill out of power. And Churchill was dwelling on the immediate past, his heroism during the Second World War. But the Nazis had just been defeated and here he was dwelling on the past and he got relegated to the past. Now he did come become Prime Minister again five years later in 1950 but that was not by dwelling on the past. In 1996, there was an election campaign between Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was in his fourth year as president and they had their elections in late 1996. Bill Clinton was a man who had been dogged by lots of scandals. He was a cheat. He was a liar. He was a draft dodger who had avoided going to Vietnam. He had accusations of sexual harassment and rape. And Bill and Hillary Clinton have a long string of people, possibly over 200 people that crossed them, and ended up mysteriously dead. Bill Clinton had a lot of things mitigating against him. Bob Dole, on the other hand, was far more experienced. He had been a vice presidential running mate to Gerald Ford in 1976. He was very experienced and he was a decorated World War II veteran. He was a man with an exemplary 
exemplary record as a husband. He never cheated on his wife, as far as we know. And Bob Dole was in his 70s, which is quite old, but being in his 70s did not stop Donald Trump from winning the elections, and it did not stop Ronald Reagan from winning the elections. And Bob Dole, as I'm doing this podcast, is still alive today, although he's very old and frail. So there was no reason why back in 1996 he could not have succeeded and ably served his country as president. And he had his his speech and he said, age has its advantages. Let me be the bridge to an America that only the unknowing call myth. Let me be the bridge to a time of tranquility, faith and confidence in action. And to those who say it was never so that America has not been better, I say you're wrong, and I know because I was there. I have seen it. I remember. What he said there, Bob Dole, doesn't sound too bad. There's nothing essentially wrong in what he said. But here's the big problem. After he dwelt on the past and how much good things were better in the past, Bill Clinton owned him with a much better speech. And Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 11 says, You should not say, What do you think is the reason that the former times were better than they are now? For this type of question is foolish. And another translation says stupid. So the Bible tells us we shouldn't be dwelling on the past and saying it was much better in the past. And in response to Bob Dole, here's what Bill Clinton said. Now here's the main idea. I love and revere the rich and proud history of America and I am determined to take our best traditions into the future. But with all respect, we do not need to build a bridge to the past. We need to build a bridge to the future. And that is what I commit to you. So tonight, tonight let us resolve to build that bridge to the 21st century to meet our challenges and protect our values. Let's build a bridge to help our parents raise their children, to help young people and adults to get the education and training they need to make our streets safer, to help Americans succeed at home and at work, to break the cycle of poverty and dependence, to protect our environment for generations to come, and to maintain our world leadership for peace and freedom. Let us resolve to build that bridge. So when you compare what Bob Dole said, and then you compare what Bill Clinton said, it was a no contest. Bob Dole came to look like a sentimental old man who was living in the past, whereas Bill Clinton basically came out with that, and he, Clinton basically said, are we going to say that our best days are behind us or before us? So 
Bill Clinton, on the other hand, looked like a visionary. And my friends, it's also a proof of the postmodern age we're living in. One of the things that was recognised in the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s was the need to be relevant to today's world and to take their faith into the 20th and 21st centuries and beyond. And what was recognised by the Vatican II Council was that we'd learned from many great thinkers of the past. Men like Thomas Aquinas or Augustine or G.K. Chesterton. But as the Council said, men like Thomas Aquinas lived a very, very long time after the time of Jesus. And they lived a very, very long time before our time. And these sort of men are very smart, but Augustine was a man who lived in the 5th century AD, and he dealt with Neoplatonism. Thomas Aquinas lived in the 13th century, and he dealt with Aristotelianism. And G.K. Chesterton lived in the early 20th century, and he lived in in England, in the Western world, which was very Christianised, but was becoming very secular at the time. And much of what these men said was good for its time. Some of what they said is timeless, and we should cling on to what they've said that's timeless. Other things they've said we can discard and don't really need. G.K. Chesterton was a very, very smart man, but he was also a staunch opponent of the suffragettes, that is, women who wanted the right to vote. I seriously doubt any Catholics of today would oppose a woman's right to vote. There's probably a few radical traditionalist fanatics who do. But what the Vatican II Council encouraged was open dialogue. And in our age, and, and they wrote that, back in the 1960s, long decades before the internet was available to the public. Many of the men in that Second Vatican Council were men who were born in the 19th century. But we as Catholics believe that the Holy Spirit was guiding and leading that council, and so they were being given advice for the 21st century. And in our age of information everywhere, in our age where people have many personal freedoms and they deeply resent being told what to think or what to do, in that day and age, the truth has nothing to be afraid of. And for that reason, we should be quite open about the past and about everything we believe. And rather than trying to cover things up, we should have transparency. No bluffing, no misinformation, full disclosure. Give people all the facts and let them decide for themselves. And that's the only approach in our age of massive information at the fingertips. So if people ask us about the Crusades or the Spanish Inquisition, we don't deny it but we put it in its historical context 
because all human beings are, no matter what age they live in, they are to some extent a product of their own age and their own culture that they're living in. And you can never entirely separate yourself from that time. So we might ask why past generations took up the sword and killed people, but when we look at the whole facts, we find that there were 470 years of fanatical Islamic jihad that was relentlessly attacking Christian lands, and the Crusades were a self-defence to put the enemy back on the defence. And the Spanish Inquisition has been grossly exaggerated. There were 3,000 to 5,000 people killed, not tens of millions, as is sometimes claimed. And the Inquisition was far more humane than secular police of the time were. And I've done podcasts looking at these very topics. And that's better to do than bluffing. But now let's get on to post-modernism. What is it exactly? And it really refers to three ages of human history. There's some overlap in this because that's how things are. New ideas, sometimes they creep in slowly. But the pre-modern age is considered from antiquity to about the 16 or 1700s. And that was religion, faith and superstition were the predominant worldview of most people, including the developed world of the time. And then there was the modern age of science, technology and materialism and advancement was considered the ideal. And there is, of course, no real definite point in time that that started or ended, but... One suggestion, which I think is pretty succinct, is 1789 to 1989. 1789 was the French Revolution and the secularisation of France, which had a big impact on the rest of the world. Till 1989, with the fall of the Berlin Wall, the collapse of communism, which was a very materialistic sort of philosophy. And it also recognised the failure. People saw technology and they got excited and thought the world is advancing, the world is getting better. But then the disillusionment came with the Cold War and the threat of nuclear disasters as well as environmental disasters like Chernobyl, a nuclear disaster, and the hole in the ozone layer, and other destruction to the environment. And people started to say, well, wait a minute, modernism, the modern age, isn't so good after all. And the postmodern age, which is sort of the mid to late 20th century, it sort of begun with the sexual revolution, where you throw every philosophy and meta-narrative of the past on its head and just reconstruct it and sort of pick and choose what you like. That's postmodernism. So it was born, as we just said, out of disillusionment with the modern age. 
as well as mass ideas being exchanged through a global village. And this has become even more so with the uh, coming of the internet, which began in the 1990s. Actually, the government had the internet decades before, but it became public thanks to Bill Clinton. Thank you, Mr. Clinton, although he admits he regretted it years later because of the information that was inconvenient for politicians like him. But essentially, the tenets of postmodern philosophy is truth is relative. Think global, act local. So you sort of follow the customs of the country you're in. So if women have to wear head coverings or whatever in one part of the world, you do what's done there, but you still think global in terms of this is all relative and truth is relative. And a general rejection of dogma and grand narratives. And I studied postmodernism almost 20 years ago, and one book I read, which I cannot cite because it's been that long, but they gave a brilliant analogy of The Wizard of Oz. And The Wizard of Oz is about this wizard with a big booming voice. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. That's like the modern age, big technology, booming voice. Whereas the postmodern age is like Dorothy and her team of friends who go on a journey. They don't know where they're going to. They're not entirely sure they'll reach it. They're not entirely sure they'll have success or they'll find it. But she's like, well, let's just go together and let's uh, do what we can. And she's got the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Lion and herself and her little dog Toto and they go about their journey and they find out a variety of different answers for each of them, which I suppose is a good summary of postmodernism. And as I mentioned, I used to be a Presbyterian theologian, so I used to read a lot of Presbyterian uh, doctors and scholars. And one was a man who lived in the 1930s called Gresham Matchen. And Gresham Machen said, Men say Christianity may be useful, but is it actually true? And he was a product in the 1930s of the modern age. Christianity might be useful, but is it true? And that to him was the most important question. But in the postmodern age, they ask the opposite. In the postmodern age, they say Christianity might be true, but is it useful? Now, Christianity might be true. Well, postmodernism says truth is relative. Your truth is different from my truth. That's what postmodernists say. I'm not saying they're correct or they're logical in saying that. They're not, but that's how they think. But the real clincher for postmodernists is, is it useful? And people look at sex scandals, 
by a small minority of pastors and priests. And they conclude that Christianity is evil because of what a small minority of them are doing. And then they question the usefulness. But I say, yes, there is a small and evil minority of pedophiles, not only in churches, but in the police force, in the courts, in schools, with school teachers. They're all over the place. The truth is not determined by whether or not a small minority of people misrepresent or abuse that truth. And as for charities, it is religious people and Christians in particular that do the most charity. The Catholics are the most charitable institution on the planet and they do a lot more to help the poor than any of their critics ever do. So how do we address the challenge of postmodernism? 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says, Be ready always to give an explanation or an answer to all who ask you the reason for the hope which is in you. So pray and be prepared for an answer. Share your own personal journey to Christ. Why? Because in postmodernism, everyone's experience is considered valid and valuable. And garner the best knowledge of the past that is useful for reaching postmodern culture. You will find pearls of wisdom from Thomas Aquinas and G.K. Chesterton and St. Augustine and other men like that. But don't get too obsessed and too absorbed into men of the past. Get what's good and useful and cling to that. But also have in your other mind the modern or rather the postmodern age that we live in and how to reach that. The other thing is talk simply in today's language. There was Copernicus a man who lived from 1473 to 1543. And he concluded that the sun was the centre of the universe, not the earth. But it was actually Galileo who got the credit for proposing this. Galileo lived from 1564 to 1642. He lived a hundred years after Copernicus. Why did he get the publicity and not Copernicus? I'll tell you why. Because Galileo communicated simply to the people of the time in their language, whereas Copernicus was this high intellectual who wasn't well understood by the general public. The masses are asses. You have to communicate in the language that people use today. And slogans, simple slogans are what work. It's often been said during the sexual revolution, the progressives, the revolutionaries, the left wing, the communists knew that and they communicated with simple slogans and logical slogans. The conservatives were far better intellectually than the left. 
but the conservatives would win every debate at a university but it was the left that won over the general public with simple slogans think long and hard about that the conservatives used to say I'd rather be dead than red red meaning communist but then the left simply said I'd rather be red than dead and people think yeah I'd rather be red than dead and uh, some people looked at the stupidity I think it was a stupid thing to say either as if you had to choose between either being red or dead why not choose to be alive and free but when you get silly slogans like that or if you say like Mr Bob Dole did let me be a bridge to the past let me be sentimental Whereas Bill Clinton's like, no, let's build a bridge to the future and to the challenges ahead of us. And that's why he got elected. People were living in a brave new world in the 1990s with the end of the Cold War, a new world order, and no longer uh, were they in the days of ignorance. Now it was the age of the internet. People wanted to, someone to lead them into the future. And that's why Clinton got elected. So the other thing to do to, in the challenge of postmodernism is educate yourself. And we're very privileged to live in an age of free movies, free audio books, simple to the point memes, free podcasts. All of my podcasts are free of charge. Use them to your advantage. And to combat postmodernism, we need information. Information is your best weapon. We also need logic. If people say that all religions are true, then I say, why do they contradict each other? Look at evidence. Postmodernists, atheists, agnostics will frequently say to me, but why is Christianity true? Why not Buddhism or Islam? To which I say the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, which is very logical and very compelling. And again, I've done a podcast on the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. And that's why I reject every other religion that contradicts that. So simple, to-the-point slogans and memes are the best way. And we also have to ask, well, what should Catholics do for the future? Well, the Vatican II encouraged open dialogue. Don't waste time arguing with trolls that just want to antagonise you. Communicate to be understood. It's often said we communicate to answer back. Whereas we should communicate to understand the other person rather than shout them down. And if you're afraid that your Catholic faith will be destroyed by open dialogue, then you don't really have much of a faith. The evidence to defend our faith is there. We have evidence for being around for 2,000 years. We have Ignatius, who lived in 107 AD. He was a disciple of the Apostle John. And he wrote about the Catholic Church in 107 AD. We have the Church Fathers. 
We know that it doesn't matter what Muhammad or Joseph Smith or Martin Luther said centuries later. We have our faith that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the other thing is be prepared to go against the grain. Stand firm even with views that are unpopular because the shifting sands of postmodernism will one day fall apart, they'll unravel, just like Neoplatonism did of Augustine's time or Aristotelianism of Thomas Aquinas's time. But we have to simply be prepared for the problems we're dealing with now and future genera generations should not dwell on our time, but on their time, and look at how they can defend the faith the best. The founding fathers of postmodernism, the Protestant Reformation actually played a role in it. Protestantism, and I'm not trying to sound too harsh or unkind, it's like a Christian version of postmodernism. It simply said, grab a Bible, interpret it the way you want and that's your faith, your relationship with God. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 says that scriptural interpretation is not for private interpretation. Scripture is not for private interpretation and Proverbs Chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. So much of scripture is hard to understand. We have to interpret it through the lenses of the church. Otherwise, we have thousands of contradictory denominations. And for that reason, much of Protestantism, sadly, is where truth is very relative where people of all kinds of different denominations aren't sure what they believe they have no doctrinal unity with protestants many of them can't even agree on what is an essential doctrine and i'm not saying this to try and ridicule or humiliate or put down our separated brethren only to point out the problematic issues with personal bible interpretation and yes, we all should read the Bible for ourselves, but we should read it through the lenses of tradition and church authority. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 says that the church is the pillar and foundation of, of truth. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15 says, hold fast to the traditions that you were given. So the founding fathers of postmodernism, the Protestant Reformation led the groundwork as well as the French Revolution. But the main philosophers were Michel Foucault, who lived from 1926 to 1984, Jacques Derrida, who lived from 1930 to 2004, and Richard Rorty from 1931 to 2007, and they were the main authors and contributors to the philosophy of postmodernism. Remember, stand firm in the truth, be ready with an answer, educate yourself as best you can, 
for the challenges and be mindful of the age we're living in and the challenges of today. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.